officially open. This is draft season. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline back with you. And we welcome in a guest today from NBC Sports. See the one and only Connor Rogers. Also does a great podcast for the draft for Pro Football Focus. Connor, man, it's good to see you. How are you, man? It's great to see you guys. I'm doing well and I'm excited. It's it's about that time of the year where people start diving into the draft. So it feels good for us. It feels like all year, but this is when everybody really starts to dive in. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we got about seven or eight weeks worth of games here, and we're going to continue our position-by-position breakdown. We're doing defensive tackles and defensive ends today. Tony has kind of siphoned off some of the edge guys as outside linebackers. We'll hit those last next week. So we'll hit some of the bigger guys this week, Tony. Let's start inside a defensive tackle, and you have one guy, and I think Connor does as well, that kind of stands alone up top. Yeah, Jerzon Newton of uh, Illinois, who's playing, you know, played well last year. Uh, in 2022, considered entering the draft, went back and has really, I think, uh, increased his draft stock. I mean, he's an athletic guy. He's very explosive. Plays in a three-man front in Illinois the way they use him. He's a guy who plays hard even when the team's not doing well. In Illinois, I don't think it's met expectations this year. Plays with great fundamentals, great hand use, great explosion. I think the one thing about Newton is his official measurements are about six one and a half, three hundred pounds. So a team's going to see him as a conventional defensive tackle. Is he a three technique, one gap type of guy? Do they think they can line him up in the three man front? He's a real good football player, but again, you're projecting him to the next level. And I think those measurements, the six, one and a half is going to be a problem for some teams and will probably push him down further into the first round than he really should really deserves to go. Cause I think he deserves to be an early uh, top and half of round one pick. I don't know that he's going to get there though. Really, yeah, I'll throw, I'm sorry, Tony, go ahead. Real good player, though. Yeah, I'll throw one other thing out there, Connor. I want to get your take on him, too. Watching him, I agree, Tony. He has that really nasty swim move that lets him get into the backfield. Really quick feet, good hands. The one thing about it, his get-off, he tends to stand up first. Then he makes his move and goes forward. I like to see him get off at the snap, Connor, maybe a little bit better and get upfield a little bit faster. Yeah, John, that's something I've asked about, too, with people close to the school, and they just feel like the scheme has even held some of his production back. He's asked to do a lot of read and react. He's asked to do a lot of dirty work. One of the beauties of him is he could play up and down the line of scrimmage. It goes back to Tony's point about the size. You're, you're kind of hoping, can he beat Grady Jarrett or somebody in that kind of form? Uh, this is a dude that played some running back in high school. That's the kind of athlete he is, and the fact that he's ballooned up to a dominant college football tackle that's a good pass rusher. His ability to stack and shed and get off blocks when he needs to is his calling card. He's a very difficult man to block. You watch the tape against somebody like Penn State. I mean, he's the only reason Illinois even hangs around some of these games. That's the dominant force he is in the middle of the field. And I agree with Tony that he's a, he's a top 15 talent where maybe he goes in the other half of the first round because of nitpicking measurables and things like that. But this dude... He's got that killer instinct. I love watching him play. I think he's a good athlete at that size. I think he plays hard. And I think he's somebody that can really line up on multiple alignments on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think both you guys, only defensive tackle, you can just nod if right now he's your only first round grade at a defensive tackle for both you guys. I'll yeah, say this. I, yeah, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. No, okay, you go. I'll say this with Chris Jenkins. I'm really intrigued by Chris Jenkins in this class. Now, I think. To go in the first round, he needs to do more as a pass rusher. That's going to hold him back, in my opinion. And with Leonard Taylor from Miami, it's the opposite. Leonard Taylor has all the traits in the world to be a top 15 pick, but he is wildly inconsistent 
uh, where I personally wouldn't stack him there. So Johnny's the lock in the first round, Johnny Newton. The other two guys, it's with Chris Jenkins, can he tap into more of a pass rush ceiling because he's got incredible run defense. And then you look at Leonard Taylor, he's just too raw. Yeah, I, I think it's Newton and then everybody else. I think there's good depth, but I don't think there's a lot of great top-end talent at the defensive tackle position. Now, you know, what happens is you get into the postseason, you get into the senior bowl, and if one of these guys who we'll talk about coming up, you know, just dominates three days of practice at the senior bowl, they could absolutely jump into the bottom half of round one, as we've seen in the past. I think right now it's Newton and everyone else. And everyone else, as we talk about, you know, they got size issues, they got consistency issues. They, you know, they can be streaky players, uh, but if they pull it together at the end of the season, then play really well the postseason at something like the, the Senior Bowl, or even the Shrine Bowl, maybe they hop into the bottom half of round one. Tony, you mentioned, well, I want to jump on the two guys Connor brought up then. You have third down grades on both of them. Chris Jenkins, you look at his run game, it reminds me of watching Mozzie Smith a little bit that last year, right? He kind of just holds the lineman there, moves him aside, watches the running back, makes the play. And then you you look at Taylor to Connor's point, Tony. I, I just don't know if, if you see enough down in, down out there. Your thoughts on on Taylor and Jenkins. The thing about Jenkins is he's, you know, he's a smaller version of Newton, six two and a half, two hundred and ninety-two pounds. What is his actual playing weight? What is his actual position? I mean, is he a conventional uh, defensive tackle on a three-man line? Is he solely a one-gap defender? How are you going to use him at the next level? Love the athleticism. Uh, I like the movement skills. I like the quickness. I think he benefited from having playing next to Mozzie Smith last year because Smith was able to occupy so much space up front and kind of free him up. You know, again, it's just where does he project at the next level? Taylor, when he's on his game, he's unstoppable. Does get a little bit upright at times, does, you know, kind of disappear, gets a little bit streaky, but he has a, a lot of athleticism. He has a great amount of upside potential. Um, I would assume he's going to enter the draft. I have no inside information on that just as of yet, but still, I think he's a guy that could be really good two or three years down the line. Still needs a bit of work on his game. All right, Tony, I'm going to go to the two guys that you have a couple second grade, second round grades on. That's McKinley Jackson out of Texas A&M and is your stack house out of Georgia. And at least from the quick viewing I did the last couple of days on these guys, these are your traditional stop the run, big bodies, get in there and just hold the fort in the run game, right? Especially Stackhouse, who I think is having yeah. a bit of a disappointing season this year. I think scouts, you know, expected more of him, especially coming from that Georgia Georgia system. We've seen so much great defensive tackle uh, tackle talent come out of it recently. I think Stackhouse more was expected from him. McKinley Jackson, you know, he's a gap occupier, but he's relatively athletic. I mean, he can make plays on the ball. He's not a bad pass rusher. He shows the ability to get down the line in the box and make plays against the run. Again, they, they, it's primarily a three-man front up there, so they're asking him to occupy the gaps. I, I think teams also expected a little bit more from McKinley Jackson. There were a lot of scouts who thought he could be a mid-first-round pick entering the season. I don't think he's lived up to their expectations, and as a result, both he and Stackhouse right now, that's why they grade as second-round uh, prospects on my board. Connor, your yeah, thoughts I, on those two? Yeah, I see that. I loved Stackhouse over the summer, and I, I see what Tony sees this season where it's been you know, not what you were hoping for. And it's not been bad by any stretch of the means, but he's a big-bodied, two-gapping kind of defensive tackle that can eat up a lot of space in the middle of the field. And you wonder what the priority is on a player like that. that so I don't see him going in the first round. He's a day two player was D tackle four for me coming out of the summer. Uh, and then you go into McKinley Jackson a little bit. I, I was 
very disappointed watching him over the summer compared to where the hype was at. And I haven't seen that carry over into massive improvement this year. He is somebody with great size. He doesn't always play to that size. He's not very explosive off the ball. Uh, he doesn't always hold doubles the way you would for someone his size. He hasn't developed those counter moves that you need in the trenches. So he's not a bad player by any stretch of the means, but he was somebody that I know a lot of services, scouting services saw as a first round grade over the summer. I didn't align with that. And I haven't seen that really take that jump into this summer. So both day two players for me where I'd have Jenkins and, and the ho the ceiling of Taylor over them. Stackhouse has a really good run defense floor, and that's always going to get drafted in the first three rounds. All right. There are two LSU guys. I know people are interested in you have Mason Smith, who is kind of, we'll start with him. You know, talk about tools. This guy's got all the tools you want. He missed all of 2022 with that leg injury. He came back this year and, and Connor, we'll start with you here. I think you see it, right? You see what he can become and he's just not there yet. You almost see on certain plays where it looks like his wind isn't completely back. His motor maybe isn't exactly where you want it to be. But boy, it's 6'6", six, 3'10". Six, you see every tool in the toolbox if you could put it all together. Right. And we saw some of those tools, John, during that freshman season where he kind of exploded onto the scene. And that's what you're holding on to because he tears his ACL in the opener in 2022. And like you hinted at, it looks like a guy that didn't play football for a year, right? At a position where that's really, really difficult in a conference where that's really, really difficult. So you get these flashes, these gifted flashes of how he can move, how much ground he can cover with his strides down there. When he wins off the ball and beats the offensive lineman, he can close in on the passer or a running back much quicker than your typical defensive tackle. But it's also somebody that at that size, the contact balance isn't great all the time and might be a height thing. It might be a leverage thing. He gets bounced around at times. I saw when he played really good competition, he gets neutralized in the pocket more than you'd expect from somebody with expectations to be a game wrecker. So Mason Smith gets the benefit of the doubt coming off that torn ACL. But that also makes me wonder, is this a guy that would be better served to go back to school, Absolutely. become the dominant force that he's expected to be, and then become the first round pick that everybody thought he'd be once upon a time. Yeah, especially the inconsistency in his game. I mean, a little bit of Michael Brockers in his game. If you remember Michael Brockers coming yeah. out of uh, LSU with that height and everything else and the athleticism, LSU usually, you know, usually doesn't keep their guys around that long. And their defensive linemen usually show a lot of inconsistency, which is what I think uh, you're seeing with Mason Smith. I think he's rebounded relatively well off of that injury. From what I'm hearing, I would be surprised if he doesn't enter the draft. Same thing with the other guy you're about to talk about. Yeah, John. go ahead, Tone. You got it. Yeah, Mecky Wingo. Uh, more... I love him, by the way. I, I I think he's a really good player. I like him a lot more than I like Smith, to be honest with you. I'm with you, John. Yeah, but the thing again is 6'1", 290 and change. Is he a one-gap defensive tackle? Is he a three-technique? You know, uh, how are you going to use him at the next level? Doesn't have that great frame. Doesn't have that great growth potential. He, he's sidelined with a sports hernia. What I'm hearing about Wingo is, about 90% he enters the draft. We may not see Wingo on the field again this season mm. for the LSU Tigers because he's got that sports hernia. He had that sports hernia surgery. He may just mail it in the rest of the college season and prepare for the NFL draft. Like his game, it was very real, uh, has been a terrific player for the prior two years at LSU. Again, it's just, a, you know, it's like Newton, a scheme fit, real good football player. But I just don't know. You know, he's not a he's not a scheme versatile type of guy. He doesn't fit every every sort of system. You know, only a few specific teams are going to like him as a plug and play type of defensive lineman. Yeah, they even moved him out to defensive end against Arkansas. He put the D offensive tackle on his rear end on a power rush. I think he's got quickness. He can bull rush too. 
He's got really quick feet. He takes these little steps. He can get around people with quickness. I think he's a three technique on the next level myself. And I think, you know, maybe in a three, four in base, you could play him at three, four defensive end. I think that's kind of where he fits, but I like him going up field. Connor, he's got enough athleticism. You want him attacking gaps. Exactly. If you run one of those typical, you know, Salah brought it over to the Jets from the 49ers. The 49ers have always run it. Seattle's run it. If you have a front four that can really pin their ears back and go and be a one gapping kind of team. And this is a dude that's played almost 40 snaps at nose tackle. Like you said, he's played most of his snaps more as a three tech. They've kicked him out to five. And it's interesting to me when you look at the injury, because the first four games of the season, he was a dominant presence. And then you look at the last three and he wasn't that kind of guy before he had the injury. So that tells me that the injury might have kicked in a little earlier as well. I think those first couple games out of the gate show the true tape that he has. Hopefully he can get healthy because I think there's a lot of pass rush truce, even though he's an undersized guy up front. All right, Tony, I'll give you each of you a chance to highlight one or two more defensive tackles you think fans need to know about in this year's draft. Tony, why don't you go first? I'm going to go way up the board. I'm going to mention a kid from Meyer by the name of Yaya Black, who is a fourth-year junior, wears number 94. I, I, I mean, this guy, he's got the athleticism. He's got the upside. Iowa likes to, uh, you know, move their move their defensive lineman in and out. But when he's on his game, he is a guy who I have a third round grade on him right now. And I know that scouts like him coming into the uh, into the season. I think it's just a, a situation at, at Iowa where they like to rotate their defensive lineman. But he's an athletic guy with decent size, decent strength. He's got a huge amount of upside. I think he's better off if he stays in school black at Iowa, at Iowa this year. But but he's a guy who I really like this year, and I think if he improves his game, you're looking at a top 45 pick moving forward. Yeah, we saw that last year, remember, with their defensive end hybrid that came out, and the name escapes me, uh, guys, help me out, where he didn't even start, and he was by far the best defensive end on, on the roster. Luke, uh, Luke uh, Ness. Ness. Uh, Luke yes. Van Ness. Thank you. There yes. it goes. Connor, any DTs here else that are on the board, that one, two, three guys that, that, that you really think are, are worth mentioning here? I mean, how about Tavondre Sweat? When you look at from Texas, he's 360 pounds. I remember <laughs> writing my summer notes, and the first thing I wrote is he's the size of a small camper. I mean, really, <laughs> he looks like a trailer, this guy. It's insane, and he's graded out really well. He's a big-bodied run defender. He's somebody that could just take up so much space in the middle of the field and use it effectively. I think he could be a pocket pusher as a pass rusher. It's not going to be... You know, listen, if you're asking him to rush the passer, you're not going to give him more than eight chances a game really to do that. You want him to be an early down, two-gapping kind of player, a big force in the middle of the field for your defense. He's been great for Texas this year. And listen, these rotational early down guys are at a need in the NFL right now. You're really not. It's a lost art, and sweat fits that billing. Yeah, I'll throw out two guys. Tyleek Williams out of uh, Ohio State, third-year yeah. sophomore. I think he's yes. one of those guys, too, Connor, that can kind of step in there. Really good against the run. I think you like him. And then his teammate that I've been disappointed in is Michael Hall, who I watched him in the offseason. Tony, you're shaking your head, too. And I'm like, all right, there's something there. Mm. Well, I haven't seen it so far this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you go back. If you go to August, you know, you, you're wondering who Tyleek Williams is, and you're saying Michael Hall's on the fringe of being a first-round pick, you know, early – early second round choice and Hall has fallen off the map this year. I mean, while I was at the Maryland game, he barely making plays. He was a smaller guy. He's a smaller defensive tackle to begin with who has to, you know, beat the beat blocks with quickness and with, with a lot of hand technique. And he's just getting hammered at the point of attack. Whereas Williams has been the guy on that interior Ohio state line. Who's consistently making plays. Who's consistently occupying gaps, penetrating the line of scrimmage, line of scrimmage and making a lot of plays on the football 
you know, if, if you had said to me in August that, hey, you know, on Halloween, you're going to have Tyleek Williams rated almost a round higher than Michael Hall, I would have said you're nuts. But that's the way the situation is, or that's the way my board falls right now. You have to say, I looked at it, John, with Hall, and I wrote down over summer, I was like, can this guy be this year's Kalaja Kansi? And, and we've gotten a definitive no so far this year, which is disappointing. But you look at an undersized pass rushing force that's explosive and loose. He gets washed out against the run. They were careful with his snaps last year. You kind of see why. Um, it's Yeah, it's definitely been a, a tough season for Hall, who had uh, massive expectations coming into the year. All right, let, let's jump over to defensive end, folks. And if we're a little short today, I have a Halloween parade I need to get to. So I apologize for that ahead of time. Otherwise, I'll have a very angry six-year-old at home, which we all want to try to avoid. Tony, I'm I'm going to let you wax poetic about Chop Robinson again because I know you are the number one member of his fan club. I yeah. rewatched him again today, and I was once again wowed by the athleticism and what he can be. I'm just not sure that's what he is quite yet. Well, but he'll just physically mature. And as he gets sure. into an NFL weight training program, gets a little bit bigger and stronger, he's going to develop into that. I, I mean, to me, he is a scheme versatile player. You can use him out of a three-point stance in a four-man line. If you want to stand him up over tackle on occasion as an edge rusher in a three-man front, you can do that. He's a real good pass rusher. He's got an outstanding inside move. He's not just the guy who takes wide angles around uh, offensive tackles to get to the passer. He's, he's got a nice inside move. You can use him off the line of scrimmage on zone blitzes and play him in space. I just love the versatility. I love the explosion. I know everybody talks about Fisciano when you talk about Penn State and NFL draft prospects. But Chop Robinson is a guy who continually, you know, meets expectations. Again, let's go back to uh, what I talked about with Mecky Wingo. Chop Robinson had a real bad uh, uh, concussion against Penn State. He's going to enter the draft. They play Michigan in a few weeks. If we don't see Chop Robinson in that Michigan game because of the concussion, I think Chop Robinson's days at Penn State are over because because we're going to see him in the NFL next. But when you watch him, I mean, he's just one of those guys that just really wowed me, especially off the 2022 film. I think teams are now starting to game plan around him, although it is difficult because Penn State's got a lot of uh, explosive talent in that front seven uh, with, with Isaac and, and all the other kids. Uh, but just Robinson, again, the way you can use him in so many roles, and he always answers uh, he always responds. And you know, Connor, he's going to dominate the the post-draft process at the Combine. His testing is going to be absolutely off the charts. It's going to be insane. You see it on the tape. The Penn State guys come into the Combine, unlike very a few others. I mean, they're just unique. And when you look at Chop, I mean, the twitch is out of this world, right? His change of direction is insane. He can cross... He's so good at, and he almost needs to be coached up to even set this up more at forcing a tackle to set wide and far out because of his explosiveness of the ball and his speed. And he can run across shop and a rip and dip. He's so good at that. And once he gets that inside move working, uh, it's phenomenal to watch with shop. He's just a gifted athlete. And I'll tell you, one my guy dog that I... wants to go to Halloween parade too, as you could hear. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's Tom, That that's Tony's number one guy. I like the kid out of UCLA, Connor. I think Latu Latu, is that how you pronounce it? Do I have that correct? Yes, you had it. Latu Latu. Yeah, and look, I, I think you watch him. I think you can we were till we were texting earlier today. He's got so many moves. He has this little hot move around the outside to dip around the offensive tackle. He's a really good athlete. He never stops his motor. There's a play where he gets blocked. He tries to jump over the top of the offensive tackle to grab the quarterback and bring him down. I just love everything about him, but and you and Tony can both talk about this. You're more on top of it than I am. There is some medical history there that might scare some people away. 
Yeah, he. I mean, what you have to know off the top before you get into how great of a player it was, he he had a Washington wouldn't clear him because of a significant neck injury, and and it was technically a medical retirement, and he ends up at UCLA, and now you look at the kind of player he is. I mean, he misses two years of football because of the medical retirement and comes back with a 20% pass rush win rate for UCLA last year. He's dominant. And you see it this year, last year, the toolbox that he has is insane. I mean, you see the cross chop, the rip and dip, the spin move, the bull rush, the long arm. Uh, he's somebody that really looks like he's had football taken away from him. Every snap is an absolute war for Leatu Latu. He plays with strength. He could play with some speed. He's not the same kind of athlete that Chop Robinson is, but he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player that I think I said this to you, John, when we were texting about these guys a little bit. If you had to drop one of them on an NFL field today and say, can you get me a win? Leatu Latu is built for that right now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he is an outstanding athlete. He's a guy that you right. can have him come out of a three-point stance, stand him over tackle. And like Robinson at uh, Tiamalu uh, of Ohio State, you can drop him off the line of scrimmage on his own blitz, and he'll do a good job for you, which is very important these days. Or chase down from the backside and run defense. But again, you know, how are the teams going to view that medicals? I got that the dreaded M next to his grade on my board, and that, you know, can be a major red flag. It only takes one team but especially a neck injury, depending on what these team what these teams see during combine medicals, basically basically comes down to do they think he's going to make it to a second contract? If they think he's going to make it to a second contract, you know, won't be hurt too much by it. But if there are red flags up and they say, hey, you know, this guy's not going to make it to that second contract, he will drop uh, like a rock. So that bears watching. And, and you mentioned JT Tumalu, Tony. Why don't we jump to him next? And he's a guy that reminds me of somebody that the Patriots would kind of love to draft. You put him on the edge. He's strong. He likes to power rush. He's not maybe your, you know, super bendy, quick guy around the edge, but he's powerful. He's fast. He's physical. He just seems like a guy that to me is probably a end of the first round, top of the second round guy because he doesn't have that elite athleticism, but he's going to be a good NFL player for a very long time. And that's where I, I have him exactly late first, early second as of right now. It's been a little bit streaky, but man, when he, as we saw in that Penn State game, going, going up against Fashana, when he takes over games, I mean, he can be dominant, not just as a pass rush. He does a little things well, gets up, gets his hands up to bat the pass uh, away. You know, you say he's not a great athlete, but he's athletic enough. I've seen him. Oh, come, sure. Absolutely. You know, get out into space and make plays and pursue, drop off the line of scrimmage, and you're going to like that sort of versatility. Again, stand him up over tackle, have him come out of a three point stance. Uh, expect him, like Chop Robinson, to enter the NFL draft once the season's over. Fortunately, he is not injured the way Chop Robinson is, so we'll see him uh, through the rest of the season, through the Michigan game, and then take it from there. And again, you know, these guys who can rush the passer, good uh, pre-draft workouts, I think, will push him into the late part of round one. And Connor, Tony mentioned it. Scout's going to be flipping on that Ohio State tape again and again and again. And he didn't do much early, but when it came fourth quarter time, he was all over the place. And that's kind of the story of him. He's not a guy that comes out of the gate all the time taking over games, but he feels like he makes a timely play when they really need him to. And he's got great instincts. I mean, he can power through tackles with strength and leverage. The hands are so active. He fights like hell to stay off of blocks. I, I probably see him pretty similar to how you guys did my latest rankings, and it aligns with my summer rankings too. I had him 38th overall on the big board, so not that first-round insane athlete, polished guy but plays with power. You can play him on the field pretty early. He's a high effort player. He's a really smart player. He probably goes in the top of the second round. You know, I want to jump to a guy, Tony, that's a little bit further down your board. Not much. It's just a couple uh, couple of names down here. 
I loved Ashton Galat out of Louisville. Oh, yeah. This guy plays like his pants are on fire. Just in this first game against Georgia Tech, I saw him win with the swim move, saw him win with the power bull rush, saw him win with the rip move outside to get underneath the offensive tackle. Uh, maybe not the bendiest guy, but he can win on the edge. Good hands, he gets off. I saw him he, against Notre Dame, who has a good offensive line. He killed those dudes the whole game. I could see him moving up here. I think I love everything about him. I think Connor, he is just a really, really good football player. Yeah. I mean, he's been a huge surprise to me this year. I'm blown away watching him. And, you know, with Ashton Gelati, eight and a half sacks this year, the long arm move that he's shown. To, I mean, he's got a lot of polish in the way he wins. He's got knockback power. He's winning at a 19.2% pass rush, pass rush win rate. That is a really high number for a guy that didn't have the expectations of, you know, a Jared Verse or a Leatu Latu or somebody like that coming into the season. The fact that he can win with power, the fact that he is showing some finesse in his game to surprise tackles and keep them off balance. I've seen him make some big splash plays against the run as well. Gelati, I would say right now might be the biggest riser from where he stood over summer through what he's done of two months of a college football season. Yeah. You know, kind of a funky body, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. To play, but the fact is this, he plays with great leverage. He gets underneath the opponent's pads. He's incredibly explosive. He's a playmaker. Two sacks this past week against Duke was a riser at my, uh, in my column at sports Skeeter, a guy who keeps moving North. I think he's going to enter the draft from the rumblings I'm hearing. I have him as a third rounder right now. I can absolutely see him moving into the middle part of round two. And again, a guy that's versatile. I mean, someone who you're probably going to put him on, on the end of a four-man line, but on those pass rush situations, you may be able to stick him inside because of the way he plays with his head level and with his hands. Uh, and a guy who's shown great improvement. And you, in my opinion, you want to get those guys in the draft whose games are on the upswing. And that's what Gelati's doing. Yeah, and then Tony, talk about two guys that I think you can move around. You have two guys... Next, right next to each other in your rankings here, both from Oregon, Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless. I like Dorless as an athlete a little bit more than Birch myself. And I could also see him being a guy that maybe in the NFL, he might be better as a three technique rather than yeah. as, as a defensive end as well. Yeah, a guy who actually came back for a second senior season because scouts were very high on him entering the 2022 year season, was okay, came back, has played reasonably well. Birch, the, the South Carolina transfer, longer than Dorless, a little bit bigger than Dorless, a guy that shows some impact in his game. I think he's going to be a real good natural 4-3 uh, three, four, uh, four, three defensive end. May also move inside because he's got excellent growth potential. I think when, uh, when Birch is all, all said and done, he's going to be over 290 pounds. But he's more of the guy who makes those flash plays you know, behind the line of scrimmage to blow up the opponent's game plan. Your yeah, thoughts John, on those guys, you, Connor? You nailed it. That you know, you look at the athlete that a guy like uh, Dorless is, and compared to Birch, who is just this massive presence for where they play him at times. And the good thing about that is he's a pretty serviceable run defender on the edge. He can yeah. set a hard edge at times. He can sustain. He can really hold at the point of attack. I just don't see any pass rush juice with with Birch when you look him look at him play. There's not a lot there, not enough explosiveness, not a lot of different moves. It's consistently speed to power. Now, Dorless, on the other hand, is somebody that has had an amazing season so far in the different ways that he's won. I love that he could play up and down the line of scrimmage. I think one of the things that makes him unique, I think you could trust him rushing wide. I think you can kick him inside. I know 
uh, locally here covering the Jets a lot. They love that about John Franklin Myers. It's one of the reasons they paid him, you know, $11 million a year or whatever it is. So those players, will, uh, while it feels like years ago, you might be like, is this a guy without a home or is this a tweener? Now you have creative defensive coordinators that can get the most out of them down by down by down, depending on the game situation. All right. I want to get into one more specific guy and then I'll let you guys point out any of your pet favorites here. Watching Davin Van was really fascinating to me. He's so stocky. It's like somebody put him in a compressor and like just like shrunk a larger man into a smaller body. I wrote fire hydrant. Yeah, down. yeah. He's, I, I've been, <laughs> I'm literally reading off my um reading off my notes built like a tank. That's what he is. He's just like a yeah. little tank, but he's really good. Another guy that I think maybe when he gets to the NFL might be more of a three tech than a defensive end just because that's the way he's built. But man, he's got power. He's got some quickness to get around, guys. He showed a little bit of a tight spin move playing end on in in, in uh, one of the recent tapes two or three games ago. Yeah. And, you know, Connor, to me, I think he moves inside in kind of that Kalijah Kansi mode you're talking about, kind of an undersized pass rusher out of that three technique. Heavy-handed, right? That's the first thing I wrote down, John. Heavy-handed. The spin move you're talking about was for a sack against Marshall. It's one of the most insane plays I've seen from this group this year. It's an awesome play. Plays inside, outside. Get... He, he's a sandpaper player to me. He's really gritty against the run. He could stack and shed. He'll do the dirty work. If you need him to read and react and hold the point of attack, that fire hydrant build comes in handy there. As a pass rusher, he still gets stuck on blocks a little bit too often. You could see that part of his game is growing. But Davin Van, uh, he's a fun player to watch because he'll do a lot of the things for you that uh, you know don't fill the stat sheet all the time. You know, you watch the 2022 film, and he was all over the place. I mean, he was constantly penetrating the line of scrimmage, constantly making plays on the on the football. I think it's because of that size and because of the fact that where are you going to play him at the next level? Scouts gave him a late-round grade coming into the season. But he, again, you know, you go back to Newton. He's just a real good football player. I have him as a third-round pick. I think they probably expected more production from him this year. But at the same time, you know, teams are, are concentrating on him, and he's the one that's getting the double-team blocks. He's also, you know, sometimes they line him up in the middle of a line at nose tackle. Yeah. Just does a lot of things very, very well and goes hard, down after down. If you watch the Clemson game, he actually got hurt in the Clemson game this past Saturday. Was was taken off the field, came back on the field uh, late in the game to help uh, North Carolina State beat Clemson. Just a guy with a great motor, doesn't have the great NFL body, but he's explosive and he knows how to, he gets the most from his ability. All right, Tony, give me one of your, you know, the big one or two guys that, that you think is worth noting here at, at defensive end that fans should know about. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, it really falls off after that. I do like Baron Sorrell of Texas a little bit, a longer, a more athletic guy who I think is a day three guy. Trajan Jeffcoat of Arkansas, who's been in college, it seems like for 10 years now, a guy who consistently makes plays. Xavier Thomas out of Clemson, who went back for a second uh, second senior season. These are more your undersized, pure edge-rushing uh, defensive ends that are going to be fits in the 4-3. Uh, and I think they're all day three type of guys. How about you, Connor? I think when you look at some of the counterparts, right? Like we talk about Dallas Turner from Alabama a lot, but you have a Chris Braswell there. Um, when you look at, you know, 
with Penn State, we talk about Chop Robinson all the time, but you look at his te- his teammate over there and Adiza Isaac, he's had a really good season as well. And for you guys, these guys might come in as more linebacker type molds. I evaluate all the pass rushers in yeah. an edge mold. So some of these guys are like 240. They're going to have to get up to 250, 255 for the combine. But those guys, they get overshadowed because of the teammates that they have up front. But they're making noise as well, especially Isaac. He's had a really, really strong year up front for Penn State. He's created a lot of pressure playing uh, up front for the Nittany Lions as well. So, And he's coming off. He had a torn Achilles in 2021, so you kind of temper your expectations in 2022. Now 2023, he looks like the player that you'd expect. And we'll definitely touch on a lot of those guys when we do our outside linebacker slash edge rusher rankings next week along with our middle linebackers. Gentlemen, first of all, Connor, tell the folks where they can find all your great stuff, NFL Stock Exchange podcast, all that stuff. Yeah, NFL Stock Exchange, if you love the draft like we just discussed for a long time, that's on Pro Football Focus. And then everything for NBC Sports is where I write all my draft stuff as well. So I uh, great catching up with you guys. It's always fun to talk the draft, especially at this stage. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Tony, and tell the folks uh, what you're doing for Sports Keto right now. Well, a lot of news on the underclassmen who are going to enter the draft. I mean, there's a lot of talk. We're in the second half of the college season right now. So we're getting a much, much better idea as to which underclassmen will be entering the draft. A few surprises. Uh, although in this day and age, there shouldn't be a surprise. A little bit different now with the NILs out there. You know, a lot of these guys are taking their time thinking because, you know, am I, am I going to be a late day three pick or can I go back to college and make three, four hundred thousand dollars on an, on an NIL, NIL? But those uh, those articles have been appearing once, sometimes twice a week. All right. Make sure you go check it out. Thanks to the guys for joining us. And obviously, it's a really good draft, generally up front, guys. Actually, actually closing this before you say goodbye. This is a very good front draft for the defensive line, correct? These go, you know, two, three rounds deep, correct, Connor? Especially at end. At end. I think you could could see where we ran out of steam at tackle pretty early in this show. We had a lot more questions there. I love this edge class. I think they it's a lot of different shapes and sizes and a lot of different talent. And I think we're going to see a lot of these guys go in the first round. Tony? I do like the, I like the depth at defensive tackle. I mean, the rounds two, three, and even four. Again, you don't have the great top-end talent there yeah. as opposed to Chop Robinson and maybe even Tiamola. Newton's going to be in the, around one. But I think, you know, you've got serviceable players, guys that can either, you know, be starters or be rotational guys who you're going to be able to get out of the second, third, and fourth round. I didn't feel that way coming into the season. But watching these guys play, again, they're not great talents, but they're going to make an active roster. And they're, they're going to contribute, I believe, early into the rookie season. All right, I'm going to go steal some Halloween candy from my daughter. That's going to be fun. Try to do it while she's not looking. And we're going to go try to have some fun on Halloween. Guys, happy Halloween. Thanks for being with us. Always fun joining us here, talking draft on draft season. And we'll see you next time.